Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Welcome to SCL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from RobNumphoto.com and this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. Well, I hope everybody's had a great few weeks since the last episode. Um, I've actually had a couple of weeks off, so it's been fantastic. Spent loads of time with Suzanne, Oliver, Valentino, been out taking... Quite a few photos, not that too, that many, because we've been really busy doing the house, tidying the loft, getting things ready for Christmas, would you believe, as well, because it's something that's kind of been hanging around for a long time. I've managed to squeeze in a few little bits, though. Um, if you, if you're a subscriber to the RobNunphoto.com um, YouTube channel, and if you go to RobNunphoto.com and go on the right-hand side and kind of scroll down a bit, I think it says My Vids on YouTube. If you click on that, I've got some Flash videos on there. Um, by Flash, I mean um, about Yongnuo flashes. About the, um, I think I've done one of the 522, sorry, this 422, and a few of the other ones as well. So that's quite good. And there's a quick video review of the 50mm 1.8 Mark One that I think I talked about on the last podcast. Um, one, of the <laughs> one of the best bargains I've ever got, a 50mm 1.4. Eight um, metal mount Mark One lens for four quid. <laughs> so that was that was pretty good. But I've been playing around as well. Kind of been getting a little bit more into flash photography, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, been doing some like product shots, ready for. Some, what I tend to do is I record the videos for YouTube on things like the Yongnuo YN four six two flash, or do have like a video review. And then when I put it on the RobNunphoto.com website then i'll add photographs and other stuff as well so i've been doing some product shots of those uh those flashes to put in the uh to put in in uh, those particular posts and that was quite fun as well i kind of made up my own um it was like a a, a seamless white backdrop that i did um i got a serial cart and cut it open so the front flap kind of opened up and got a couple of pieces of a4 paper Sellotape them together and they and formed like a curve, which I then put the flash in, or I did some of some lenses, plopped them in, um, and then got my one of my flashes with a big umbrella um, to, to create the light. And that was that was quite interesting, quite fun <coughs> doing that. I've been experimenting with some macro solutions as well, because you know me, I'm always sort of looking for the cheap way of doing stuff. Um, and I just wanted to look at the different quality you could get between some, some different things. So what I did was I tried out the uh, the 50mm 1.8 actually with a teleconverter. Now, ages ago, 
I think I mentioned this, I got a Jessup's two times Canon Telecomverter, um, which is great because it, it doubles the amount of magnification you get out of a, a, a lens. But the problem is it only works with EF lenses, not EFS lenses. It only works with the big lenses like you could, could put on a full frame camera or a, um, or, or a film camera that the EFS lenses, which still fit, um, but they don't fit this converter, um, so I couldn't use it. But when I got the 518, I thought, ah, right, I can use that as well. And so I thought, well, if it magnifies stuff that's far away, it'll magnify stuff that's really close as well, won't it? So I put that on and tried that out, and that was quite good. I also tried the old um, M42 lens, the 135mm Helios one, with the extension tubes on, and that was great on the front of my Canon uh, 350D DSLR and that gives you massive magnification but it's not the easiest thing in the world to use because your depth of field is like probably a millimetre long and I also tried just using my 55 to 250 normal zoom but what you do is you go to the far end of the zoom and you'd be surprised at how close you can focus in on the stuff and kind of just convert you know c compared them and kind of I'll, I'll do a post on it on robnonphoto.com but what I kind of concluded from trying these three things was that using the 50 with a teleconverter wasn't any better or any closer than using my standard 55 to 250 because that can get really close as well. Um, and if you wanted massive magnification, then the extension tube option was the best one. But you have to be very careful when doing that because it's very difficult to, to focus. But that was quite fun, so look out for a post soon on rubmanphoto.com. Um, today actually we just we went to a different car boot than we normally went to we went to one at the bottom of the A3 um, I think it's called 40 Acres Farm and it's really big I'm really gutted that we haven't discovered this one before I think we went there once in the autumn and it was shut so we kind of gave up but yeah loads and loads of people there and um, you know the stuff I'm kind of looking for now is stuff like lighting stands um, umbrellas, gels, adapters backdrops you know this stuff doesn't come up very often um, needless to say I didn't find any of that but what I did find was something that I've been looking for 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 ages I always keep my out was for the great little Olympus Mu2 or Stylus epic little compact camera um, and these are marvelous these things and um, I've sold my last two that I had but this one I'm going to hang on to because it only cost me a pound um, and it's a little 35 millimeter film camera but it's probably the smallest compact camera you can get 35 mil that is um, and one of the best as well because it has this um, 35 mil fixed focal length lens so it's not a zoom and it's got a 2.8 uh, maximum aperture um, and it's very very sharp very very easy to use all weather as well so it can put up with a, a light downpour of rain um, and uh, I just love them it, it just needs a I think it's a CR123A battery let me have a look yeah, CR123A or a DL123A battery. A roll of 35 in there, and it's good to go. It's a fantastic little camera. Built-in flash. It's kind of it's kind of the spiritual successor to the Olympus Trip 35, you know. It's better than the XA series of um, cameras. Um, and obviously it has autofocus as well. I didn't mention that. Um, but it's incredibly small, so you can just keep it in your pocket. It's got that great Olympus clamshell design. You know the ones where you kind of open them up and then close them, so you don't really need a case for it or a lens cover. I really like them. They're, they're fabulous. If you ever see one, um, snap them up. They can go for a few quid on eBay, sort of 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Um, 
but they're, they're, they're perfect, especially if you just want to get into film and you just want, uh, you know, you want to be shooting with your digital kit most of the time, but you want to have one of these um, in your pocket, put some black and white film in it and then shoot away. So I'm well chuffed I've got one of those again. Um, so yeah, um, so, uh, so back to flash test. So, you know, I've kind of, <laughs> through amazing luck and the fact that Suzanne, my gorgeous wife, um, forces us to go to the car boot sale and drags me along. And I, oh, I tell you what, the way to do it, all right, is if you want to get something from the car boot sale, really don't want to go. That's that's my trick. I, I'll say to Suzanne, I say, oh, I don't really don't want to go. I'm too tired. But she, you know, we'll go, and then I always find something. If I'm up for it, and I'm like, yeah, let's go to the car boot sale, I never find anything. But now I've got four Yongnuo flashes. Um, and so these are variable power flashes. Three of them have got slaves on. Um, I've got two wireless triggers now. Um, I've got a shoot-through bracket. Sorry, shoot-through umbrella with a bracket. I've got lots of tripods. I've got a fiber more reflector. I've got a projector screen for using as a white backdrop or grey. Um, and I thought, look, it's time to really start learning about the art of artificially lit photographs. You know, I've got the kit. I've got, <laughs> I've got to actually use it now. Um, and for a while I've been playing around with um, the, the screen and the umbrella and doing stuff. But I thought it was about time I started working through the different kind of basic setups, the basic techniques, starting with like one flash, like you would with your camera, you know, where you, you start off with auto mode, don't you? And then you maybe go into aperture program mode or aperture priority mode and you muck around with that and then you try and shut up priority mode, that sort of stuff. Now... I'm really lucky, in fact, that I've got a couple of resources that are very, very, help, very, very helpful for doing this. Um, the first one is an ebook called Lighting for Studio Photography Decoded by John Fick, and I'll put a link in the show notes at robinonphoto.com. Now, he used to give this away for free, and or a version of it for free, and that's what I've got because I downloaded it absolutely ages ago, and I think I talked about it on the podcast as well. Um, and in it, he gives a description of the different sort of modifiers you can use with flashes, or how you can change the light off them. And then he goes through the real basic types of uh, lighting you can do. And then he goes into actual examples as well uh, with a photograph, and that this is how I how I did it with the descriptions. Um, you've got to pay for the ebook now, but um, the version I've got is really brilliant anyway. So I would say, you know. You know, splash the cash, buy the ebook because it is very good, and it helped me to to start up because it's one thing looking at a book or a magazine and looking at a lighting setup and go, oh yeah, that's nice, that looks easy. But when you've actually got to stand there and set it up and move the lights around and change the powers and stuff, it really does make you learn very very fast indeed. And I used John Fick's book to start working through some of the basic like one speed light off-camera flash setups um, and so I started off with Rembrandt lighting which is <laughs> again I'll put a picture in the show notes where you can see the different ones I did with like a finished one that I did of Oz. Um and it is really quite difficult actually to get the Rembrandt one kind of right and I don't think I came anywhere near getting it right but it's kind of it gives you an idea of what it should be like, where you, you, you put your light source sort of in front and to one side and above of your subject, and it shines down on them, or, f or with the flash obviously pops, and then you try and get like a... try and do the shadow so that you end up with a triangle of light on the, the opposing cheek. Um, and, it, and when it's done well, it looks very, very effective. Um, but sometimes you kind of need another light as your fill on the other side, or a reflector at least, but I haven't really... 
I started doing that because I wanted to start off, you know, really, really basic. And then I did butterfly lighting, which actually turned out to be, I think, the best looking one, the one I've tried so far, where what you do is you have the light in front of your subject and above, so it's shining down on them. Um, and it's called butterfly because of the shape of the shadow underneath their, their nose. But when I started doing it, the problem I had was I was working in, in our garage and there's lots of stuff everywhere. And so the light from the flash was contaminating, if you like, the background because I hadn't bothered putting up the white background. And so what I then had to do was use one of my snoots. And I haven't mentioned this already as well. One of the things, great things about playing around with flashes and strobes and speed lights is modifying the light. And one of the basic modifiers that, that you use is a snoot, which is basically just something that goes around the flash to, to direct the light more like into a spotlight. Um, and you can make them yourself. And luckily Suzanne, I mentioned that I needed some cardboard and Suzanne said, oh, I've got some black cardboard. So I took that and made this snoot and it worked perfectly, really, really good. And that allowed me to control the light for, for a, a more of a black background. Um, I had a crack at clamshell uh, lighting as well, where you have a light above and a blow and below. Didn't really, didn't work that well because again, I was working with bare flashes. So it's quite a hard light. Um, and then, I had to go with, with trying to create a hair light or a rim light. And that's where you put the flash behind your subject or up to one side. It kind of lights up the, 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 the hair and their shoulders. And the idea with that is it helps you to, um, isolate them from the background, especially if someone's got dark hair. If you've got dark hair against a dark background, they, it kind of disappears. But by having a hair light, it kind of makes it light up. And I thought that the, the kind of setup I ended up on when luckily <laughs> Oliver came into the garage and said, Oh, what are you up to? I said, quick, quick, come and sit down and I'll, I'll take a picture was, was the butterfly light sort of on, on the, in front and above him. And then with a the hair light lighting up and it seemed to, seemed to look really good. And what happens is when you start taking photographs like this, it's a bit like the first time you start doing HDRs. You go, Oh, wow, that's amazing. I love it. It's fantastic. But then when you've lived it with it for a couple of days, um, and then you look at me and think, oh, well, actually, those shadows are a bit harsh underneath the chin. And there's all these, like, almost specular highlights of reflection of hot spots on, like, the end of your nose and on your cheeks. And that's when you kind of realise that you need to soften that light down and not use uh, uh, just a flash, but modify it with something like an umbrella um, in front of it as well. Um, but, um, so, yeah, so next up it will be softening the light with an umbrella, putting the white background up, putting the dark background up, but get, getting some gels, which are those coloured filters you can put under the flash, because there's all sorts of fun you can have with um, with flash photography, mucking around with white balance, where you can <coughs> put, your put your white balance off kilter in your camera. So say you're shooting outside, put your white balance to tungsten, so that everything turns blue. And then what you do is then you put a filter over your flash, um, to, to, to get rid of that blue so you would put a this is where I tend to get it wrong but so if you want to get if you if you want to get rid of blue you would then put an orange filter on your flash because that would warm the flashlight up and so your subject who's in front of you would look normal because they're getting this orange light put on, put on them your camera's then making everything blue but they're still looking normal and then your background your sky is all, all um, dynamic blue so that's uh, quite cool so there's all sorts of stuff to, to do so i'm looking forward to that and one of the reasons why i'm kind of excited and up for doing that sort of stuff is the other resource i've had is i managed to um get a copy of the strobist dvd set 
Um, now, if you haven't heard of him already, the strobist is David Hobby, who, I don't know if he still is, but he used to be a working photographer for uh, a newspaper, and he's been running the strobist site for many years now, and it's all about flash photography, uh, using small speed lights to create great-looking photographs. And I think it was back in 2000, 2008, he, he made this set of... It, it, it really is a box set of DVDs, so you have... Um, a seminar, so the, the seminar that he goes out and does on on uh, DVD, so you can watch all of that. And then there's all these extra DVDs with with um, uh, real life situations, kind of like shoots that he's that he's at, where he then talks you through what he's doing. And I tell you what, when I first started watching it, I thought, oh, this looks a bit naff because it's just done with like with a camera in the corner. And it's a bit jittery and thing, you know. And they're in this cheap um what's well, probably not cheap but they're in this conference room somewhere but when he starts going into it and starts explaining and shooting you know so you're actually watching minute as he's got an umbrella there with a flash and he's mucking around with the exposure and he's giving you all these hints and tips it is absolutely brilliant i'd recommend if anybody if you want to improve your portrait photography or any sort of photography through, through the use of off camera flash get the strobis dvd set i think it's about $120, something like that. Um, and again, I'll put a link in the show notes to go to the page where it is, which you can then click on pages that go to places that sell it. But it is really, really, really good. Um, I think it's cheaper than the price of actually going to one of his seminars, but obviously you can watch it again and again, and you get all these extra bonus DVDs of, of, of these other places. I mean, I haven't watched all of them yet, but... You know, there's so much stuff that you, that you watch. You think, oh, that's really cool. And he's just there, and he's got he's got like there's there's a bit where there's one of the chaps from the seminar sitting there, and there's a black background. And he's got an umbrella, and he's going through taking these photographs. And you think, oh, these are going to look a bit naff. But then when he pops it up on the screen, and you see, you think, oh wow, isn't that cool? And you can see the effects of bringing in light close, moving it away, lighting the background, and all this sort of stuff. So I can't really um, talk about enough. However, if you can't really stretch to getting something like the Strobis DVD. Um, another great one is um, from a guy, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, but he runs fronosphoto.com. Um, that's F-R-O-K-N-O-W-S-P-H-O-T-O.com, um, which is a great site, loads of uh, fantastic instructional videos and stuff. But if you sign up for his email, he um, sends you a link to a YouTube video, you might even be able to find it on YouTube anyway, where he and his mate are going through like a studio portrait session and they have loads of great stuff about lighting and lighting backdrops and changing colours and changing the mood and feel of photographs. So give that a go. And they've also just started doing a podcast, which, um, excuse me, it's, it is really good too. Um, so, you know, once you've um, fancy having a go at all this stuff, you know, and you've started to play around with trying to achieve a certain look from looking at a picture, you know, on an ebook or, or from a video thing, right, I'm going to have a go at doing that. You kind of start trying to reverse engineer, um, the, the photographs in magazines as well. So you see a photograph, like, and think, oh, I wonder, I wonder how they lit that. Oh, right, that must be a very big light. Or, no, that must be a point light source quite a way away. Or a big light source close. Or where's the shadows? You start looking at catch lights in people's eyes as well. You know, if you look into, I mean, it's difficult if it's if it's been photoshopped, but if you look at, um, you know, a magazine where you can see the model's eyes, have a look, and that will give away, 
you know, how many lights were used in front of them and where they were. So that, that, that's quite cool. And the other thing I've, that's, that I found happening as well is I tend to, um, when you're out and about doing your landscape or your urban or your architectural photography outside, I've become much more aware of how the light is playing over the landscape from the sun as well. You th and you think, oh, there's a bit of rim light on the side of that building. That looks quite cool. Or if I move around to this angle, you know, that'll look like that. Or wouldn't it be better if I came back later in the day? All this sort of stuff that really helps. So even if you think, oh, you know, I'm not really going to do that much off camera flash. Um, I think you'll find um, just playing around with it becomes you makes you a better overall photographer. Okay, well, on to the main subject of this week's or this month's podcast, which is um, a look at the July and August photo assignment that we all took part in that was angles and shutter speeds. And the first thing I'd like to say is, wow, what a fantastic group of photos. Um, what an amazing number of photos. Um, and thanks to everybody for taking part really really good stuff um, I'm so chuffed that people are diving in and having a go at these assignments because I know we don't have much time for going out and shooting we've all got family commitments and business and work commitments but for people to take the time and go and have a go and try these things that hopefully might make you try something different you haven't tried before uh, or simply just give you a little bit of inspiration so what I'll do is I'll, I'll run through the photos and have a look at them and I'll try and get people's names right, but I'll probably get them wrong. So let's start off. And if you want to carry, if you want to follow along, if you're listening to this at home with your laptop near or something, just go over to the um, Flickr group for RobinandPhoto.com and just look for the July and August photo assignment. So let's start off. Well, to start off with, um, Joe posted a couple of shots to inspire one of an unusual angle. Um, so where he's used a wide-angle lens. Um, where he's standing fairly close to a building, um, unusual building actually. It looks like it's going over the top of a a, pa uh, a motorway or something. And then the second one is of a um, what's that person? They're, pro they're I don't think they're on a skateboard. They're probably on roller skates or rollerblades. And he's using shutter speed there to blur the background. So the so the idea with this is that you know, if you want to blur the background pan with your subject so follow your subject along and use a slightly longer shutter speed that's one way you could do it and to play around with angles that's just anything just being aware of how using a different angle changes the feel of a photograph you know it can make things appear quite ominous so let's move on um so thanks for joe for putting them on i'm sure they inspired lots of people and then we've got dead pixel who is mike and mike's got a really nice shutter speed one of a waterfall where um, the shutter speed is obviously not a waterfall a fountain sorry that's lit by some spotlights must be in the evening i would say um and again he's used a longer shutter speed just to blur that water to give us the idea of movement and that softness um a really pleasant effect and one that we kind of all should have in our arsenal little techniques where you think oh there's some running water there you know i could either, f either freeze it or i could make it a little bit softer just by running our shutter speed up that little bit longer difficult during the day if it's very sunny you have to use things like neutral density filters but as soon as the light starts to get, go down you'll probably find you're running a long, longer shutter speed anyway so your enemy is camera shake so you've just got to make sure you support your camera steadily you know lean up against a pillar or put it on a post or on a bench or you know use a tripod candice morgan photography has got 
a nice um, slow shutter speed one where we've got a kind of a combination of a very shallow depth of field of these blue flowers um, with movement in them as well um, and that's that's something I haven't really tried that much of but it can work very well in uh, in all sorts of photographs especially landscape photos where if you use a longer shutter speed of say I was, I was looking at a photograph earlier actually it might even be in this group where I think it was of a bridge or something like that but there were some grasses in the foreground and the longer shutter speed meant that the grasses had started to blur but obviously the bridge which is fixed was nice and sharp and it and it gives you a nice contrast and kind of tells a bit of a story too so nice blue photos there and then we also have then of an angled one of the inside of a cathedral always good to when you go inside um, these places you know you can amplify the effect by getting down low and shooting up um, and it really is uh, very it makes everything feel ominous and larger than it actually is especially if stuff's pretty big to start off with then photos by Danny B um, who obviously is uh, Daniel um, and he's got some <laughs> really really nice panning shots very very good very very good of um, I guess that's his son at the local amusement park. Such an effective technique, really brilliant. This being able to do this technique makes you stand out from the crowd. It really does because it's very, very difficult to achieve looks like this if you're just using aperture priority mode, automatic mode, or a point and shoot. You know, you've really got to be shooting in shutter priority mode to achieve this, achieve this effect. Where you know you'll say to the you put the or manual mode you know you put it in the camera the fact that you want to use a 60th of a second and the camera will then adjust the uh, aperture accordingly and then you pan with your subject and that means you can get your subject subject sharp and the background blurred and it gives you this great sense of movement um, very very good uh, I really enjoy that sort of photo because it's something again that I haven't really tried out that much but it looks very very um, good and then Joe's then dived in with some second curtain flash photography, um, and uh, very and he did these on his EPL one. Um, and it's yeah, it's interesting because you can kind of get these. Uh, the, the idea with with second curtain flash um, or first curtain flash, or, or when you're using flash with a long exposure, is that your flash um, will illuminate the scene. But it only lasts for like a ten thousandth of a second or something like that. So if you imagine if you've got your camera set up and your exposure is, you know, a quarter of a second or a second or, you know, longer, you can then have the flash will then freeze something in the scene, but then you'll get these blurs afterwards. And the reason why you use second curtain sync is because then the blur tends to come off the back of the way that the subject was moving, so it looks like a natural speed blur. Um, but Joe's used this to great effect to, to try and produce these interesting look to his black and white image. Um, and then, and uh, yeah, and then he's added one of the camera toss pictures from the camera toss group. Great for an angle shot there. So the idea with that is you you put your camera on remote or on shutter delay, and then you throw it up into the air, give it a spin, so it goes up, and then bink, it goes off, and then comes back down again. Um, very very good. And Janiel. 45 um, or Neil um, has done a really great picture of the shard very atmospheric with a combination of a very wide angle lens a Tikina 11 to 16 mil 
So that makes the, the building disappear into the distance um, at these incredible angles. But he's also post-processed it beautifully as well. We've got a nice black and white toned photograph with a nice vignette around the edges. Um, very atmospheric, very ominous. Looks like something out of Doctor Who or something like that. Very good photo there. I like that a lot. And then he's done um, a shutter speed one as well with movement blur on the... Um, on the train and there's somebody waiting for it really nice atmospheric shot gives you an idea of, of movement and speed which is all about it and in fact what's interesting as well about the photograph is you kind of see more as you look into it so if you kind of look closely the um how can i put it that the, there's the posters that are on the far side of the train you can see them through the windows of the train and they're constant as too it's almost like there's a ghost looking at you um, Daniel um, has also has then done. Uh, Danny B has done some interesting angles. One looking up at Gerda's probably on a bridge, and we've got the beautiful sky in the background as well, showing how you can almost get abstract with structures just by picking bits out. And again, there's nothing, you know, a nice blue sky um, with a lovely contrast against the rusty Gerda's. You know, you've got those two powerful combinations of blue and orange against each other always tends to work well with geometric designs as well. Danny B as well, um, a nice shutter speed one, a chap sitting on a bench with somebody blurred past. I think I prefer the second one where he's standing because you've got your subject nice and sharp and then you've got these ghosts kind of moving past him. Very very effective indeed. Difficult to get right, very difficult to get right because you find your subjects disappear you know, at certain shutter speeds, you know, you get to sort of three, four seconds and they're gone. There's nobody there. You get down to two and a half, a second and a half, and then you can see them. And that all depends on the ambient light as well. So great shots there, Daniel. Really, really good. Really good. Um, Pixel Peeper, who's new to the group. Um, and that's, I'm probably getting this name wrong, but I think it's Rackner. Um, nice angle shot there of a building again with the blue sky reflected nice white clouds showing the, you know the effectiveness of, of how you can select something from a scene put it in there and that will give you a beautiful almost again abstract shot rod uh, rod Payneff, um has got um let's see what he says He's, the city is currently uh, this is a picture from St John's in Newfoundland. The city is currently experiencing an oil boom. I liked how the angle of the glass building reflects both old St John's and the construction of new St John's. So yeah, fantastic idea there. Good concept behind the photo and then good execution as well. Nice glass building, excuse me, with nice strong reflections. Good, good work. Joe's got a lovely picture here again of getting in close. An angle shot of looks like some corn or some sort of grass. Um, nice blurred background. You know, far too often I think we don't bother flipping our cameras on the side and taking picture angles. Like if you do it all the time, it can be a little bit more, a little bit over the top. But just to do the odd one, flick it over just to see how it works. Um, and in this case, we have that powerful diagonal splitting the photo in two, with the horizon down below and the, the nice black and white conversion as well. A little effort for me. What I was doing there with the shutter speed was doing a really long shutter speed to create almost like a double exposure effect where the camera was set for, I don't know, I think it was about 20 seconds or something like that. And I took the photo, ran up, sat down, and then then ran away um, to give you like a ghost effect. And then um, Candice has then got a off-camera flash 
um, where she's used a colour gel as well and a black background and a sheet of glass. So that's interesting because it's it's a long exposure, um, but then we've got the light painting because we've got this great reflection on the glass around. Very cleverly done, very, very good. And then Neil's got another picture of the shard taking from <coughs> a little bit further away. Um, and we've got the contrast, as he says, between old architecture and new architecture. You know, another, but we've also got, because he's using a, a wide angle lens again, we've got the diagonal of the buildings going away from us, and then we have the shard shooting up into the sky. Um, a long shutter speed one for me, that was taken on a railway bridge near Fratton, um, just a bridge flying through. And then Rod's um, done an interesting one, a similar type of shot, but on a model railway club. Um, very nice and again that kind of gives you a sense of speed of the models moving along and kind of makes them um, more realistic as well go down to Neil um, ah now this is an interesting one of helicopter from the Farnborough Air Show now it's very difficult I've, I've done it a few times to get shots of aircraft with moving blades like helicopters or aeroplanes uh, with with propellers, sorry, but where you can get the propellers, you don't want them frozen, but you don't want them to disappear, you want that blur, and he's done that perfectly as well. Um, and as he says, he's panning on a monopod, um, and then he's got the, the, the blades nicely blurred there as well. Very, very good. Um, and then uh, he's got London Bridge train station. He says, the angles of this glass structure are wonderful and striking at the same time. The man standing outside gives a sense of proportion. Definitely, definitely. I like that photo. Anything to do with geometric patterns and then the way that people interact with those patterns is fine by me. Very Henri Cartier-Bresson, that type of stuff. Um, and then we've got my angled one. <laughs> my angled one was... I kind of had this idea of... Uh, I've got lots of old tripods and then I've got like gorilla pods and I had the idea of the little gorilla pods attacking one of the old tripods um, and they're kind of strangling it and then I tried to take it a, a bit of a funky angle so it looked interesting um, and then Joe's got some uh, done some nice ones um, out and about in Philadelphia nice black and white images nice longer exposure so we've got nice subject blur somebody's feet there a ice cream salesman or someone cycling past a bar and then a particularly good one that I enjoy very much are the last two, one of some dancers by a saxophonist, nicely blurred, nicely blurred, and um, a bicyclist riding past. Very, very good indeed, Joe. Excellent work. Very atmospheric. Then I had a go at doing a panning shot with uh, Valentino on his swing in our back garden. Kind of worked, kind of didn't. I found it really difficult to get him at all sharp. But I was kind of pleased by the way that the green stuff in the background is blurred in lines because I was on the swing but I'm not too I don't like the colors that much they've kind of gone a little bit kind of primary which I don't particularly like but again practice for next time and then Neil has got this great shot of a chap working on an I guess it's an Audi sports car but he's right down on the ground so it gets you right in the action you see right what he's doing gives you an idea of the the size of the of the car um, and the lowness of the car as well, but a real worm's eye view of, of the action that you don't always see. Um, and then we've got um, Canon uh, Dav, is his flicker name, which is, uh, who's that? That's Andy. Um, 
and he's got some interesting angle shots he took on his 60th birthday, happy birthday, um, of a glass building, very good, again these are great examples of architecture gone abstract, you know, where they could be almost anything, uh, Very, I, I really enjoy that type of photography. Um, and then we've got Analogital, who is Pete, and he's got um, some kids doing a uh, maypole dance, nice and blurred as well, so we've got this great feeling of movement from them, almost ghostly images, and a nice angle shot down some stairs with his OM2N, I think I've got one of them, film camera, very very good indeed, uh, enjoy the colours, enjoy the angles. Ab's done an interesting long exposure, again where he's taken a photo, left the cat, left the shutter open and then sat in there, very good indeed, very ghostly, um, and to kind of wrap it all up, Neil's done a really nice panning long shutter shot, again these are the classic motorsport shots of, it's a yellow uh, Ford Escort Mark 1, zooming along the track, he's using a very long lens, um, and he's following it and taking the shot, and that means that your subject stays sharp, your background goes blurred, your wheels are blurred as nicely as well, which is always good, um, and it, you know you know the car is moving at speed, you know, um, and that, that's a great thing. Cool. So there we go. Some superb, well, all of them superb photos in uh, this month's assignment. Very, very good indeed. Um, keep up the great work because it's time for a new assignment for September and October. And that assignment will be, again, we'll do a double-barreled one, sell me something and manual mode. So sell me something is basically, I want everybody to try and create an advert, just like you'd see in a magazine or on a poster or on a billboard you know anything at all it could be you could be selling camera equipment food um, a holiday destination a house um, fashion sunglasses anything you want at all i'm just saying sell me it um, just imagine you've been given the brief and the money <laughs> to produce a photo or maybe a series of photos maybe a montage maybe even a composite you know where you're going to bring lots of things together um, you might want to think about leaving room for writing, you know, because they tend to have them in adverts. Or if you're feeling really confident, you might want to add the words in yourself, you know, produce a complete advert with the, with the copy as well. Um, and get, go and get your inspiration from what's out there. You know, look in the magazine, think, oh, that's a stylish advert. I'm going to have a go at copying that. Um, and maybe you can use a bit of contrast as well, a bit of humour. You know, maybe you'll see a very stylish advert for like a Swiss watch or something, and you think, "Oh, right, I tell you what, I'm going to do an advert for a a, a tin of a, a, a tin of uh, beans in that style." You know, but whatever you want to do, um, editing anything goes. It's all fun. It's all practice. Let's see what we can come up with. And then the second part is really manual mode. Um, I think we had one of these before, but I wanted to kind of force myself to try it again. Because when you're working with flashes, you're working in manual mode almost all the time anyway, um, because you're kind of separating the idea of your aperture controlling your flash exposure and your shutter speed is controlling your ambient or room exposure. Um, but it, it's also very good for shooting outside as well, because there's been some scenarios I've been taking photos recently where, for example, they've been very heavily backlit. And I should have handled it better with exposure compensation, but didn't. And I thought maybe if I go over to manual mode, that'll help me think about these situations a bit better as well. 
Um, so there we go. So they're the two things. Sell me something and manual mode. Thanks to everybody for taking part in the Flickr group, posting photos in the pool, putting things into the uh, in the discussion groups. Um, thanks to everybody for commenting on robnovephoto.com. Um, it's great to see people there. And the emails I get off everybody as well. It's really nice to receive emails, you know, questions, suggestions, anything at all. Just drop me a line. Scalespeeder at gmail.com. Um, thanks to Everyday Jones, who do the intro and outro music for the podcast. But most of all, thanks to you for downloading and listening. My name's Rob from robnovephoto.com. And hopefully, pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr.